The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. So many great challenges coming out of running during the Rona. I think about the Yeti 24-hour challenge, which was five miles every four hours for 24 hours. And then you think about uh, Goggins four for 48, right? We're four miles every four hours for 48 hours. Lots of different challenges. Have you heard about the broken ladder challenge? This was a challenge where people got together and they ran a mile on the first day, two miles the second day, three miles the third day, four miles the fourth day, until there was only one person left. 33 days, 561 miles, the Broken Ladder Challenge. From Annapolis, Maryland, I have the winner of this year's Broken Ladder Challenge. Rich Weishner is on the Adventure Jogger. Rich, welcome, sir. Thanks for having me, Ryan. So, okay, let's just start off right off the bat. Whose brainchild was this craziness of a mile a day and then adding a mile for each and every day. Whose brainchild was this? So this is uh, Trent Swanson. He does the Algonquin Ultras. Mm -hmm. That's down in the uh, Delmarva area between Maryland and Delaware. And him and uh, this other gentleman, Gabe, had kind of come up with this idea. And Trent kind of ran with it and took it over and reached out to a lot of us that do his Algonquin Ultra Series races. Uh, I do that one, and then uh, the gentleman Gabe also does one called the Duck uh, 100K. And so they they definitely put that out there in our feed and definitely made it more of an adventure than we thought it was going to be. <laughs> how, how so is it more an adventure than you thought? Well, you know, you just think you're doing one mile each day, it's not going to go. He made the ladder out to about five weeks. And so as we went day in and day out, we saw those distances in the fifth week and we're like, nah, I don't think anybody's really going to be reaching those. That's just, <laughs> that's just a nice, that's a nice number to somewhere off and, and think about. So what made you decide to want to do this? Were you just bored because of Corona and all your races got canceled and you're like, ah, why not? What was your reason for wanting to do this? So each week I'd kind of found different things after uh, the Corona came out and kind of furloughed me from my job. So the first thing I was doing was we did the backyard quarantine challenge, mm-hmm. uh, did that one, uh, made it to like hour 20, called it quits. And then after that, I was doing a fundraiser with uh, another two individuals for the local medical center. And so we did a hundred mile run for mm-hmm. that uh, through the city of Annapolis. Yeah. And then there was another challenge I was going to do, which was the little dog front yard challenge. Yeah. So that one was you did one mile every hour and it was the last runner standing event as well. So on the fourth hour of that, I accidentally started my Garmin about like 30 seconds early. So when it popped up on the straw, it showed me starting at a minute early. Oh, and they just, 
and they disqualified me from the challenge. So this was probably around, I think, day three of the broken ladder challenge. Yeah. And I, I told Trent, because we communicate pretty often, I was like, hey, you know, I don't know how long I'm going to be able to kind of run these consecutive uh, challenges. And I was kind of looking to see how many days I could get into the little dog one. And when that disqualified me, I was like, all right, well, you know, we'll see where I can go with this. So it just kind of worked out that way. Rich, you were doing two challenges at the same time. Yeah, well, I, I think a lot of people are finding themselves doing that, especially with the uh, Tennessee. Uh, yes. You know, yeah. A lot of people are adding uh, a couple other events in with that. No, what you think about the broken ladder challenge, which the first week you got to be like, this is this is a cakewalk. You know, everybody like did. How many people started the challenge? Uh, so it was seventy nine people to start of the challenge. I can't imagine that after week one, you didn't have seventy nine people also yeah, in the yeah. challenge, right? Because you know the longest run that you're running in week one is is seven miles, and so yep. you know you've one, two. I'm sure day one and day two, you're like, I really should run some more. I don't, I don't feel like I've got yep, exactly. <laughs> enough miles in, but you're doing this little little dog front yard ultra, which is a a mile on the hour every hour and then you get disqualified four hours in so now your full focus is on the broken ladder challenge right yeah yep and not to mention i'm just a little pissed off at myself i was <laughs> <laughs> i was like you should have just waited why'd you have to why'd you have to try and start it right at it's like you should have got that app or what's that website where it like tells you the exact uh, I know you that's, should have been on the time.com. That's what, that's what it was. Same, it, but at the same time, like with a lot of these, I, I, there was no like ill felt tension towards the people for the way it went, because like, I, I actually prefer it that way. Like I, I would rather you have a, a event, you know, trying to run it a certain way. Right. Right. You don't want just willy nilly. You want to have some rules and regulations yeah. when it comes to that. Rich, let's talk about week one of the broken ladder challenge. Was it, Something where maybe that first week is so easy that it underplays the difficulty of the challenge? A hundred percent. You know, you, I think for me, it was coming towards the end of week two and then just kind of looking at week three and, mm -hmm. and the numbers and you're just like, it's manageable, but I don't think I've run that much in a week without like a hundred mile race. Right. So, I, you know, I think the most I had done in a week before that with a race was around like 120, something like that. So I, those numbers were just daunting in themselves. <laughs> when did people start to drop? The 79 runner started. You made I, all I through say, the first week. I would say probably around middle of week two, you know, because a lot of people hadn't done those type of miles consecutively like yeah. they'd run a 50k before but never in their training were they doing you know 11 12 miles you know back to back so I, I think it was new territory for a lot of people in terms of week-long distances which was amazing and it, that was kind of the really cool thing about the event and just in general with so many people hit prs uh with their race uh, or with their um, weekly totals all right so you get you get to week through, through week one, through week two. People are starting to drop week two. And the biggest miles you would have in week two would be that 14 miles at the end of week two. And then week three, 15, 16, 17, 18, yeah. 19, 20, and 21 miles. Week three, 
How much of a nut kicker was week three for you? Week three is when reality started to set in that <laughs> this this is going to be a taxing event. You know, it was it was all fun and games until week three, and then and then that's when things you, you definitely start to see the drop off in in the number of runners that finish each day, and it was kind of it's kind of hard to watch because some of these were good runners, yeah, and it was just numbers that they weren't used to, and also the injury prevention was kind of the biggest thing is as you start to put those miles on it's like do i really want to push this and get injured you know i'm i'm, I'm doing this as like a non-race right so, you know, I, I think that was an issue for a lot of people as things started to come down they didn't want to injure themselves okay ego i know that i've had issues with running or my ego ruining my running for for quite a while where it's like I got to lay down some fast miles. Did that, did that play when you came into week three? What was, what was your pacing like? Was it, was it more of a survival mode pacing? Like, you know, you're typically a six mile or six minute mile runner. And you're like, you know what, if I'm going to survive this, I'm gonna have to tone that way down. How did you take pacing into account? Pacing was way down. Uh, I went right around like a 10, 10 minute mile pace. I took it nice and easy always making sure that my heart rate was, you know, like in the blue, mm -hmm. uh, just because I also found that in terms of recovery each day, it was becoming a lot easier to recover if I was just pacing myself, not at a walk, but you know, at, at a reasonable a jog, right? A, a gentle, an adventure jog, if you will, an adventure jog exactly. pace uh, each day. So you make it through week three, and the numbers are dropping huge. You no longer have seventy nine runners. What are you at half? The the runners are out at this point. Uh, at, at the at at week four, I would say we were down to probably. 10 maybe 12 runners the bulk of the field is yeah. gone by yeah. week four and that first run of week four you, you you know week four is between 22 23 24 25 26 27 28 miles in consecutive days I mean, so actually my friend uh meg landy moore she was doing a a run for her local COVID unit. Also, she was working over at a place, Mercy Medical. And so she was raising money for them, but she was also doing it as a virtual hundred. So I did day 18 and 19 with her. So I ran, yeah, the day 18. And then I came back in in the morning and did 19 with her. So that kind of helped me too. Yeah. Uh, just, just having somebody else to kind of pace it through with. And it was nice knowing that I wasn't the only person kind of suffering. So, <laughs> right, <laughs> other people with you on that. But those yeah. first, the first you know, two weeks, that's something you can do without a max, without really uh, time. You, you know, having to take away time right. from family and the jobs and all that. But once you're getting into you know 21 hours this or 22 one or 21 miles this day, and you're getting up into those 20 mile runs. Um, it's, it's, it's a question from the big Lebowski. Do you have a job, sir? And how did you be able to take away like four or five hours each day of, from your job? So what it, how it kind of worked out for me was I was working for a fitness company. And since all the studios were closed, we were furloughed off. So I had like a little admin work in the beginning. But after that, I didn't have much going on. So besides doing the fundraising for the COVID unit, that, that was about the extent of my, uh, 
you know, so I was definitely living a little bit of a Lebowski lifestyle. <laughs> just, 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 just a little bit more active. Right. I'm glad you got that reference. <laughs> yeah. You asked him if you had a job. What a jerk. No, it's a Lebowski <laughs> reference. So <laughs> week three and then week four pops around. And week four, you're talking about those brutal miles again. You're up to 28 yeah. miles. And then by the end of week four, there's not many people left when you're at finishing that 28 miler. At the end of week four, well, how many people are left at that point? I think it was at the end of week four. I think we were down to five. I want to say five of us. Okay. All right. So you start, you you go into week five. The the week that you looked at on paper, on the ladder, going, there's no way we're going to make it this far. We're going (laughs) to, everyone's going to be out by week four. You know, maybe I'll get a 24 miler in or whatever, get 24 days into this. But here you are. It's week five. You've got that 29 miles to do after you just ran 28 miles. Let's walk through the final week of the Broken Ladder Challenge, week five. So week five, actually. So it was just down to the last two of us, actually. Okay. And... And so week five was the start of when it became just the two of us. <laughs> I really didn't feel like running anymore. <laughs> and so on on week five for day 29, I actually did a 12 a.m. run to, to start it out. Yeah. And it, I was trying to do it as like a soul punch. <laughs> <laughs> pass this person in a race or do anything like that. And I was like, how can I just get them to stop? Cause. Oh, that's, so, that's such a good point, Rich, because you're right. He's running his miles on his own time, on his own course, in his own way. You guys are never encountering each other. You're just, you do your miles and you pray to God that he quit at some point. Right? Yep, Exactly. <laughs> No. So, so I, I tried this tactic. It, it didn't work out in my favor, <laughs> but it, you know, at twelve o'clock at night, I, I thought it was it was really bright idea. So I went out in my community and just did a whole bunch of laps and, and finished it. And I posted it up before like anybody was even on. Like, like I had sent it to Trent. Yeah, and he he didn't get back to me for like another hour or so from when I had finished. Right, and he was like. Oh, is this real? Are you already done? <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, I, I wanted uh, Mike to look at it and be like, oh man, he's already done. I don't right. like put my shoes on now, <laughs> you know, but no, he, he still got out there at two o'clock in the afternoon, like he did every day and, and, and busted it out. So your plan doesn't work. 29 no, miler. <laughs> and so now you're running the next day, day two of week five, 30 miles 30 miles it actually was a, a really good day for me um i i'd finally gotten some new shoes mm-hmm. and i i burned through my shoes and i could tell like that i needed to get into something new because i was starting to feel it in my knees a little bit yeah and most of what i was running was pavement and i don't prefer to run that but right. given what this event was I wasn't looking to go out and put 3,000 feet of vertical each day. <laughs> right, right. This is not the time for vert. This is yes. just get, get the miles in, do the miles. the miles. So how many miles were on the old pair of shoes that you were slogging through this challenge on, do you think? I want to say probably like four, 
fourth, fifth. Yeah, so they're like towards the end of their life at this point. They're they're yeah. they're they're begging for you to to donate them to yeah. Goodwill. Yeah, I'm sure that every day I was waking up and my shoes would see me and they're like, please no, please, <laughs> not again. Put me out of my misery, please, please. So you put on those new kicks and it definitely you can feel it because 30 yeah. miles went pretty good. And then yeah, you that see was, that was like, you know, I went out there and I rolled that and right around like a, a nine something pace. Yeah. Um, you know, felt felt pretty good. And the biggest thing for me was on day 26, I was having really bad Achilles problems and was thinking about dropping out and just went back, did a lot of stretching because I had kind of bounced off the stretching mm-hmm. as the days wore on. I just don't feel like doing that. Right, right. You know? <laughs> Long distance runners. Why? Why do we? Why would you do that? What is so, stretching stupid? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, I sat down, did some stretching, and a, after I, I put that in, everything was really smooth from there on out. So day thirty went well. Thirty one. On day thirty one, I decided to be adventurous and go and do a trail run. Yeah. And so that one ended up having like just a little under three thousand feet of vertical and. I thought it was really cool for doing that. And then the next day <laughs> you were paying for it, weren't you? I was, I, I was paying for it pretty good <laughs> just because I, I hadn't really been running any trail after like day 20, I think. Right. So just going back out there, it felt a little different and putting that type of mileage on, you know, I think every ultra runner could entitle their biography, a, a bunch of stupid decisions. <laughs> so so who's the gentleman that's left with you at this point what's his name uh his name is mike maddox okay mike maddox you put down that trail marathon hope or the trail 31 mile or 50k now and you're thinking okay i'm gonna intimidate this guy you're hoping and praying that he's gotta give up at some point right but then day 31 passes no he hasn't given up nope and you got to start day, day 32. Yeah, day 32, I, I, was, I was a little, ha- I was having a pity party at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Were there moments in day 32, 32 miles, you had 31 miles the day before. Did you have any um, fuck this shit moments in day 32? I'd say it probably started right around 5 a.m. when I woke up and I was like, fuck this shit. <laughs> and that, that, that just was kind of the, the theme throughout the whole day. That, that was your mantra, right? Are you that, from- <laughs> exactly. So it was funny. I had actually, like I put a YouTube song up there, the uh, Trent Reznor Hurt yeah. uh, song. And, and it was just kind of like, this is, this is what my life is right now. I just... <laughs> I, I live in a world of pain, and that's, that's where I'm staying for a little while. Were you mad at yourself for doing the trail 50K the day before and uh, yeah, getting that yeah, vert? I, I definitely was. I was like, you just you, you couldn't be a normal person, you know, a slightly normal person, and just go run it on the road. You had to go out there. Now, have you met Mike Maddox at all up until this point, or do you guys were complete strangers? We were complete strangers. We've probably passed at Trent's events for the Algonquin because yeah. Mike's done the Algonquin 50K. Mm-hmm. And I did that the second year they had it. But the past two years, I've done Gabe's uh, Duck 100K. Which So the way those races work is the Duck actually starts at 
either nine or 10 o'clock at night yeah. the day before the Algonquin. So oh, okay. you do that. So you do that as a 50 K mm-hmm. you finish that 50 K and then you are transported to the start of the Algonquin 50 K at 7 AM. And then you run that and then you take those times collective. It's a, it's a really fun uh, event. That is kind of fun. Of. That's really fun to think about yeah. breaking that hundred K up into you do one race, you wait the finish line, hop on the bus and you do another one. I kind of like yeah. that. And it kind of, so, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so the really fun part is, is that we don't get any information on the actual course for the nighttime. Yeah. 50 K until about five minutes before. <laughs> so this, yeah. And, and so that, that makes it a little bit more difficult. We have no idea where we're going to be running. Uh, the first year, it definitely made things a little bit more difficult in terms of like trail markings and stuff like that. Uh, the second year was a lot smoother yeah. in terms of the way they had it set up and yeah, they put on a really good event. So you you may have passed each other, or you know, yeah, exactly shared a mile together at some point, or at the aid station at the same time at some point. Uh, if, if he was running the Algonquin, he was definitely passing me uh, <laughs> because that that next morning there was no fast pace going on in his races. <laughs> so so day thirty two of the Broken Ladder Challenge is done. You've got to now do. 33 miles the next day because you know that's you're looking at that yep. did did mike drop out during the 33 at, at some point during the 33 miles on day 33 or when did he call it quits so he called it quits earlier in the day which i wasn't aware of so i, I guess he had reached out to trent but the really nice thing that they had done is they hadn't mentioned it to me because <laughs> Because I could tell you, if they had mentioned it to me, I'd be like, hey, you know what? Why don't we just not have a winner? And we'll both drop out because I, th- I think we we'd, that that's okay. That's acceptable. <laughs> they don't bother telling you. They're like, you know, Mike's dropping out. Um, should we tell Rich? Nah, nah, not at all. We're going to go ahead and let him enjoy that 33 miles having no idea that Mike's not doing those 33 miles as well. <laughs> yeah. So I'd actually, I had reached out to him uh, while I was on my run. I I'd sent him a message or FaceTimed him and yeah. I was just trying to reach out to him because I had actually wanted to chat with him a little bit because we actually hadn't had a chance. To. Yeah. So he, he told me that he would, or that I should get back to him when I was done my run. And I kind of had like this <laughs> ominous feeling that something was up. And then he checked in with me, I think like two hours later. He's like, Hey, what mile are you on? I was like mile 27. He's like, well, you better finish up because you're going to win. And I was like, and I, I was a little disappointed because I, at this point I, I wanted to see how far we could go. But yeah. On the other side, I was like, thank fucking God. Like, <laughs> Mike, you magnificent bastard. That's the oh, best Jesus. way. <laughs> yeah, 100%. You know, we, we talk later on about like, you know, uh, pacing and I, I'm just like, whatever you need from now on, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you get this message from Mike, like you got five miles left roughly, you know, to finish this thing. What is it? What is it like? You know, you, you cross a, a finish line at a race. It has a certain feeling to it, right? You, you win a race has a certain feeling to it. You've just won this virtual challenge where you don't encounter really anybody else. This is just, you know, you, you, you check into a website, you check into a Facebook page and 
pray that more people are dropping out and dropping out. What did it feel like to win this monumental challenge? So uh, it, it was kind of weird because there wasn't anything. It was just a, a very internal. Yeah. You know, I, I just kind of, I was, where was I? I was walking back towards my house. I, I usually give myself like a two mile walk back yeah. after each of the runs. Mm-hmm. And I was walking back and I was just kind of reflecting on it all. And me and Mike had FaceTimed and actually talked for a couple minutes and he congratulated me. And, you know, it, it was a, a good talk. And then literally, I think I was about a mile from my house and an accident happens right in front of me, a car accident. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there and I'm just like, this is, this is how my race ends. <laughs> 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 so literally like this accident happens and the guy gets out of the car. He's like, Hey man, you saw what happened. Do you mind if I get your information? And I looked at him just very like dead, dead faced. And I was just like, I'll give you my social security number. I'll give you my address. I'll give you my phone number. I'll give you my name. I was like, I'm not waiting around here for anybody. I just ran 33 miles. I want to go home and eat some food. Contact me. <laughs> and and I, I think he, he was kind of like, I don't think he made that up. I don't think that's like some, somebody's just going to randomly come up with that. <laughs> that's way too creative to be, to be baloney. Yeah. At any point, the walk home, did you think to yourself, like, why the hell did I just do that? Uh, it wasn't really till I got the the numbers in terms of like distances and everything else like that, that it all kind of really sat in. I was like, man, that was that was a long journey. Like you really you really invested yourself into that one. Well, it's uh, true. I mean, it, it's it's a, it's over a month, five hundred and sixty one miles. If I did the the math right that's not a normal month for you is it no no it's not so i actually finished the month with 621 miles that i mean i don't think i'll ever hit that number uh, again in terms of like a monthly total but it it definitely it it allowed me to see i was like damn if you know if i actually have the time to put in those miles like i'm definitely very capable of it so that was fun but I think once things kind of go back to somewhat normal, I'll stick to my like hundred miles. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) People are going to talk about this like years from now. I think you're going to be, you know, the 10 years from now, people are going to be talking about what they did during the Rona. And most people are going to be like, well, I, I painted my house or I did some sort of project or I gardened or something. And you'll be able to say, I did this thing called the broken ladder challenge where I ran a mile a day for each day for 33 straight days. And people will think you're making it up. Yeah. I mean, it's, it kind of got to the point, like uh, I'd say like a week after where it, it, I almost felt weird about it because it was like, I, I didn't feel like I did something that incredible. Yeah. It, it just, I guess as the days kind of went on it's just like, I'm just going for a run. This is enjoyable. Like it, you know, it, it was just the miles were just a little bit longer, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's incredible. Are there plans to do the broken ladder challenge again, or is this just something that happens in the world of Rona? So it, it definitely, I, I think there's, a way they're going to look at doing it that might be a little bit different, but mm-hmm. I think they, they found the success with it. And it was also, I think for Trent, Trent's really good about just wanting to empower new runners Yeah, because over in the Del Marva area, they don't have any other ultras. 
So it, it's he's definitely really good about getting people to hit new PRs, getting them interested in ultras. So I could definitely see him b- putting this on again. What is the trail running scene like in Mar- in Maryland? Is it a, is it a big group or is it pretty small? It seems like there's. I, I would say it's fairly decent. You know, I think it's like uh, taking off probably the past like eight nine years. I just got into it three years ago, so I did my first race in 2017. Uh, I did the Boulder Field okay. 50k, and the longest run before that was the uh, Annapolis 10 miler. So I was like a lot of idiots where I was just like, <laughs> haven't done a half marathon, haven't done a marathon. Why not just go out and try this? Why not? Well, let's talk about that for a second, Rich. Have you been a runner your whole life or when did you discover running and then transition that in ultra running? So I got into running. I did my first race in 2016. I did. It was called a Across the Bay uh, 10k mm-hmm. so that was my first race that i ever did before that i was a 16 year smoker uh so i had actually listened to the one you had with lee yeah and, and i saw her talking about that i unfortunately uh still have to suffer a little bit longer because i don't have my doctorate or my phd and <laughs> <laughs> that, she, she's just incredible yeah uh so uh when i was 30 three is when I quit smoking Mm -hmm. and then I I trained for a little bit and then I did my first 10k and I actually did really well at it It was funny because I showed up to the race and I was putting myself like closer to the front of the pack and a high school friend of mine's husband yeah was there and he was like hey you know you might want to go just go back a little bit take it easy and and he said it rightfully so because it was my first race and he knew me from you know just going out all the time (laughs) But it also pissed me off. So, <laughs> like, so, about two, so about two minutes in, I passed him, and then I waited for him at the finish line. And I, you know, I just wanted to be like, I just wanted to let you know where I am. Now. <laughs> so, <laughs> probably not the most humble way to do something, but you know, at, at the time. So, ten k. You know, you do pretty well. You you, you obviously yeah. you smoke your buddy who told you, "Hey, get back in line a little bit." You're not you're yeah. not you're not the elites that need to be here. You're not the the forty yeah. year old man in perfect runner shape with his you know nah. singlet on and his split shorts <laughs> who's ready to light all these teenagers and college kids up. But you do pretty damn well, and so the, yeah, yeah, that's that's not bad. So the ten miler is that next after the ten k? So I did a couple more five k's and ten k's, and then that. The first 10K was in November, so the 10-miler was in August. Mm-hmm. And both those races, uh, you know, they, it was right around like a low seven-minute pace. Yeah. So, you know, it, they all went pretty well. And then in 2018, or I'm sorry, 2017 is when I did the Boulderfield 50K. So it was like shortly after the 10-miler. Shortly? And like how short? I would say it was about... A month. Okay, so you got 10 miles. It's your longest yeah. run. Yeah. Let's just go ahead and jump to that 50K distance. And the Boulderfield 50K, this is not a cupcake rails to trails buffed out 50K. You, you could have picked yeah. a little easier one for your, no, for your no. first 50K. <laughs> no, it wasn't. And it, it was funny because I was probably dressed like I was, I was doing a 10K. <laughs> So, you know, I didn't know anything about like buffs to hold ice. I didn't know about salt tablets. I didn't know about chafing. And I go out there and I go out, 
hard and fast thinking, you know, I got this. <laughs> I, I had done a, a 31 mile hike up in the white mountains the year before. And I was yeah. like, well, I hiked 31 miles. I can, I can run this, you know, shouldn't be that bad. <laughs> you think and, about the, the, the thinking process that most people, if you said, well, you ran 10 miles, why don't you run 31 I hiked 31 miles. I can run this hard. You know, that's not a thought process that most normal people have, but it is the thought process that leads to many great ultra stories, isn't it? Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. And this is this is where I got my first taste of uh, ultra humble pie. And it was it was around mile 15 when I had a gentleman that was probably around twice my age, just casually passing me as I, <laughs> as I slowly died off from, from my fast run. Cause I remember passing him earlier and I'm sure he was looking at me like, All right, I'll see you in a bit. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of a time I was uh, crewing and pacing someone at the Pinhoti 100 and Carl Meltzer was running that year. And there was a guy who had no idea who Carl Meltzer was. And so he tried to keep up with Carl for the first 10 miles. (laughs) Let's just say Carl finished 14 hours ahead of this gentleman. (laughs) He learned a lesson the hard way. And that's the tough thing is sometimes, especially with the ultras, when you're first getting in, you don't really know who's who. Right. you know, it, you learn very quickly, though, in some of these races. Oh, yeah. You don't so. you don't know about uh, about nutrition and hydration and in pacing and aid station yeah. food and all that whole thing. So so the wheels kind of seem like they fell off before mile 15. Yeah, they, they were falling off all over the place. There was <laughs> engine parts just everywhere. <laughs> and and so I got lucky. There was a there's a group called uh, Run Hole mm-hmm. that's out of Pennsylvania and so there was a couple of people from that group that were running this race. And so there's Guy Royce and Todd and John, and they, they kind of took me under their wing. Cause I think they saw that I was just out of my element. <laughs> uh, I, I don't, I, I got to imagine the look on my face probably wasn't a pleasant one. And so they, 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 they kind of tagged along with me and, you know, just asked me some questions and you know took my mind off of what was actually going on. And then John stuck with me for the remainder of the race had some salt tablets for me, uh, helped me. Like I was overheating, got like by a lake. He's like, here, you know, you want to put some water here. And as we get closer to the end, I'm like, all right, I'm going to make a go at it. And he's like, all right, go ahead. <laughs> I literally, I, I, I probably go for about five minutes. I die. Catch us back up. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, yeah, you just d- do a shuffle step. That's, that's going to be, that's going to be your go-to right now. You know, he was thinking too, like, I'll see you in a couple minutes. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. He, he, he knew exactly what was going to happen. So, you know, we, we crossed the finish line together. Mm-hmm. I have, like, my shirt halfway on, you know, just disheveled looking. And, and he's kind of just, what's going on? <laughs> Do you remember the time? Uh, so mine was uh, six hours 30 right okay. around there. That's not too shabby, all things considered. That's not a bad time, really. No, but, it, you know, it was also one of those things I was like, yeah, I'll get down in five hours. And, <laughs> you know, it definitely just did not happen that way. But it was also a great learning experience. Right. And I think that's, you know, for everybody that does ultras the first time that don't have the experience of doing a marathon, you know, it's, it's that learning experience. Because I'm more of a stubborn person. Really? I, I, I don't take... <laughs> 
I don't take I didn't get that for the 35 minutes we've been chatting. <laughs> I, I don't take a lot of stuff uh, in until I have to suffer it. And, and that's usually when I'm like, okay, this is probably what I should do now. Now, <laughs> now that I've actually paid the price for it. Much like day 31 when you ran that, your 31 miles on the trail with 4,000 feet of elevation, you learned that the hard way and that lesson sunk in on day 32, yeah, right? Yeah. If, if they do that again, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how soon after you finished that 50K where – you had you had visions in your head of five hours, and then yeah. you're you're over six, and, and and quite a bit over your head. How soon after the finish did you start looking for your next race? Uh, I think it was probably about a week and a half, and then uh, that's when I signed up for the uh, Stone Mill fifty miler. Mm-hmm. So I did that one in November, and and like a lot of races, when you're first going into this stuff, I didn't know how to dress properly for the cold weather 50 mile race. <laughs> so this, this 50 mile, I think it was like 20 something degrees starting off my camel pack froze, uh, you know, just a lot of different things. And the guy next to me, he's, you know, a seasoned runner. He's like, should have put some vodka in there. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was like, good to know. I'll, 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 I'll try that next time. <laughs> You're thinking like, he's gotta be kidding me, but I know there's guys that put a little bit yeah. of whiskey or some vodka in their it's, bottles just to keep it from freezing. Freezing. Uh-huh. A hundred percent. But yeah, at the time I was like, I'm scared to run next to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> so you learn these hard lessons early on. What race did you finally like put all things together and go like, okay, I think I've kind of got this down. Well, the race I did the start of the next year was the Algonquin. That was my first 50 K. I think where I had a decent amount of training. I finished that one right around like five twenty something for the 50 K. Yeah. And I, I felt like I was getting a little bit better of understanding, but it really wasn't until the next year that I went back to Boulderfield that I had really put all the pieces together. And actually both my splits for that hundred K that I did were, you know, faster than what I did for the 50 K when I first did it. So that's when I kind of felt like things were coming better. I got seventh place in that hundred K yeah. and you know, the pieces were coming together. But once I take the steps into the hundred milers, it's like, I take five steps back <laughs> and, 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 and have to relearn everything that I, I thought I knew. So, so what was your first hundred? I did the green buyer hundred kit. So that one was in March and I was doing that as a qualifier for, was it March? Yeah, it was March. Uh, and I was doing that as a qualifier for cruel jewel. Okay. So I was like, Hey, you know, cruel jewel sounds like a, a big supper fest that, that would be right up my alley. And it did not disappoint. So. <laughs> so we'll get to cruel jewel in a second because that's one of those races where there's a reason why it's a hard rock qualifier yeah. and, and part of that <clears throat> excuse me is the fact that it usually happens on the first hot weekend of the year like you haven't had time to heat acclimate and then you get into this weather where it's like 85 to 95 degrees with eight with like 60 to 80 percent humidity which is just an absolute ball kicker right i mean the, the heat and humidity alone is just oh my god is that that's a brutal new element to add to the hundred the greenbrier 100 what um what hard lessons did you learn during that race um to take my headlamp when i should take my headlamp <laughs> and and not and not think that i should just go out for one more loop when i knew that it was starting to kind of get dusk out 
So I, I was out there for probably four or five miles with no headlamp, just kind of using the the moon shade area to kind of navigate <laughs> myself through, through the rocks. And I was like, man, you, you really should have brought that with you. Like, like, what does it well, weigh at this point? You know, it's like, what, yeah. what does the headlamp really weigh? And is it going to slow you down? But you're like, ah, I'll get back in plenty of time. Yeah. I was like, I'll, I'll, I'll finish that one quick enough. So, nope. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> So I mean, I, I'm pretty sure there was another runner out there with me who I was just like, you know, I'm just going to stay with you. Don't, don't be concerned that I'm just jogging right next to you this whole time. Like, <laughs> can, I, can I borrow your light? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then you do Cruel Jewel. Was the point of doing Cruel Jewel, was it to get a hard rock qualifier or was it just because you saw the race and you're like, okay, I need, I need this, this in my life. So my buddy John and Royce, they had actually gone out and done it the year before, and they both DNF'd on it, but he was going through some really bad Achilles stuff. Mm -hmm. And I I saw a lot of the stuff from that race, and I was like, man, that looks fun. So that was already in my head a while before. Yeah. And then I was looking for a a tough East Coast 100-miler to get on. And when I looked at Cruel Jewel, I was like, you know, I, I think I can make this work. I wasn't looking at it in terms of like qualifying for anything else until I finished it. And then I was like, I want to use this. I finished it. <laughs> right. Me... Right. Yeah. Uh, so Cruel Jewel definitely, it, it showed me a lot of different things in terms of um, like the heat exhaustion. That was a big one that, that kind of came into play. Well, do you, you in where... Maryland, you don't really up in Maryland have that sort of brutal heat and humidity did you have some uh, we, we get the we get the humidity okay yeah, we, we uh, but i wouldn't say anything like down there in georgia but we still we'll have our 100 100 degree days here and there okay i think like i, I heard on one of the where you were talking about the heat and humidity i, I usually am one of those people that like to get out there at like one o'clock in the afternoon two o'clock in the afternoon and that's usually the best way i'll acclimate into it but with cruel jewel when you're going into that night you know, you're hoping for some type of cool breeze or it's just, it's never there and it's just hot and muggy. And, and when you come out into that long road stretch, I think it's like a six or 12 mile road stretch that yeah. you have to do from like the midway point back. And that's where it really kicked me. I think it was like around mile 76 or something like that. And just that long stretch of road where there's not really much shade and you know, it started beat down. I mean, that's, that's when things started to kind of come on, Raveled for me because I was holding a decent pace for my first, you know, uh, hard rock qualifying race. Right. And that's when everything started to come off. And then the chafing really took, took, <laughs> it, it took a bad turn. It took a really, <laughs> really bad turn to the point of like where I was at mile 89. I was like 80 mile, 89. Yeah. And I, I probably had third degree burn like on the inside of my thigh. Oh. Oh, so basically the lesson you learned for Cruel Jewel was lubing is a must. A hundred percent is. <laughs> and, and, and I think it's just one of those things like I probably need to, you know, just take a magic marker or something or a permanent marker and just write that <laughs> on my arm. Like every every 30 miles, make sure you do this. Make sure you do this. <laughs> lubing is a must. Bring your headlamp if you think it's going to get dark. You'll be like that guy from that movie Memento that'll have all these tattoos of advice to yourself <laughs> <laughs> running races so, you, so yep. you don't forget. Um, but Cruel Jewel, you finish. You get that massive belt buckle, right? Yeah. 
So I actually have to go back and do that again. When I was doing the uh, broken ladder challenge, uh, what day was it? I think it was day 29 or no, no, it was day 30. I was going over one of the bridges here in the Naples area and it happened to be a really windy day yeah. and I had my cruel jewel hat on Yeah, and the wind took it and oh. it went off into the water. Oh <laughs> no. And, oh yes. And, and so I was pretty, I was pretty upset about that. Like I, I had a really good time out in the run until then. I was like, I had three miles left, I think. And I was just like, you, you had to wear that hat. You knew it was windy over the bridge. Well, Rich, <laughs> I, I, I think they may have a store online. Like, I don't know if you have to run that race again uh, to get the hat. I think you can go buy a cruel jewel hat and no one's going to like judge you and go like, you didn't earn that. But right now there's someone in Maryland that found that hat in the water and is running around. Oh, I'm sure. They have no idea what cruel jewel is. <laughs> yeah. They're like, I, I don't even, is this a brand name? Is this a vodka? Is this cruel jewel vodka? And he's going to, he's wearing that hat thinking that's the coolest thing in the world having absolutely no idea what, what cruel jewel is yeah that, that, that was a tough one to take but it was funny actually uh i, I want to say it was the day after i'd actually reached out to a uh, wardian mm -hmm. and i i'd send him a message you know i i was like i'm a nobody runner but i'm just going to send him a message and just see if he replies and i i just basically asked him like you know how is it with like the chemical withdrawal of doing such a, a large event and what do you do afterwards yeah. to kind of like bring yourself back down? And, you know, he gave me some advice and just, you know, quick little answer, but it, it was a really cool thing to have somebody like respond. That's, you know, who I think is a big person in the oh, yeah. community. Michael Wardian's the nicest man on planet earth. He really is. I don't think he, like if you message him, I don't think he allows himself to not get back to people. Yeah. He's a really he's a really cool dude and a treasure that we have here on the Beast Coast. And we will treasure Michael Wardian um, forever. <laughs> yeah, I saw, I, I saw he put down really good times for that uh, East Coast, West Coast. I know we killed him. Did you take part? Of, yeah. well, no, you were busy doing other challenges, although you probably could have thrown one of your like, day 31 I, I, into the mix. I, I could have. And I was I was a little upset with myself because when I was listening in and I know you were giving a couple other people a hard time. <laughs> For, for not getting on there and I was like man really I really should have put myself uh you know because I'd actually gone out and did a I think it was on May 30th day 31st I did an Appalachian Trail 50k yeah and I was like I really should have just just signed up for it but yeah. it seems like we, we were in good hands right right we, we did okay we may need you for next year though because i have a feeling <laughs> Candace is going to call in some ringers next year uh, of, uh for the west coast Rich what do you want to do now you know, you got this this challenge done, and eventually, you know, we'll get back to racing as normal. And I know there's some races that are that are starting each weekend. I know that we had the Rock and Chocolaco 50k down in Alabama over this past weekend. So races are starting to happen again. What what do you want to do now, Rich? Um, so there's a, a couple of different races. I, I've already been looking into the 200 milers. Mm -hmm. uh, that was kind of like on my list of things. Uh, the Spine over in a uh, Europe. Yeah. That was one that I, I kind of looked at. And then also something like the stage races, because doing this broken ladder challenge was kind of in a way, a stage race of waking each waking up each day and just kind of going out there yeah. and putting in the mileage. Um, and then there's uh, the one that Lee was talking about in Col uh, Columbia. Sounded yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That sounded amazing. That really does sound uh, great. You know, it, I would like to just be able to kind of like travel on some of these and, and just see some different sites. But, um, 
I would say there's definitely some in Tennessee that I think would, would be a good one. Um, I also wouldn't mind trying that pistol, uh, hundred miler. Yeah. It's kind of a road one, a little faster to see how put down some serious miles. Yeah. Because I, most of the ones I've done have had some pretty decent vert yeah. on them. So it would be nice to kind of do a flat one and just see, see how it goes. See how fast you can do. I can't wait to do the 200 miler. Cause I want to talk to you and see what lessons you've had to learn the hard way for 200 miles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's uh, the one that I think they just recently put a sign up for it, and uh, it's from Flagstaff to Black Canyon. Oh, okay. Or, or Black Canyon to Flagstaff. I, I saw that that one was up. I think that's for like next May. Mm-hmm. So that one kind of looked interesting. I think that one's going to be a lottery, though. Is that a Candace race? No. So I'm trying to think of who it is that's putting that one on. But it's like the Cocodonia. Cocachino uh, Cowboys? No, 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 that's not. <laughs> no, uh, no cappuccinos. No cappuccinos so, here. So that I think the name of the race is the Cocodonia 250. Okay. All right. Very cool. But yeah, I, I know it's not one that Candace is doing. It feels like every every person who puts on a 200 miler has to be like, this is a 200 miler, but no, it's not a Candace 200 miler. Like they have to put that <laughs> information out there because people are signing up going, where's Candace? They're at the packet pickup. Where's Candace? This is not a Candace 200 miler. Well, I definitely want to do one of hers. Hers seem amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. The ones that she puts on. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Rich, what an amazing adventure to, to tackle this you know, an incredible broken ladder challenge where, you know, it is a competition against 79 other people that you will never see. And you have no <laughs> idea, uh, you know, who quit on this day until the very end. What an awesome story. Thank you for taking some time out and chat with me and sharing this uh-huh. adventure. I definitely appreciate you having me on. We are 100% listener supported. You can make a monthly pledge on our Patreon page. Just search The Adventure Jogger on Patreon or go to theadventurejogger.com. Join the community on Facebook and Instagram by searching The Adventure Jogger. And subscribe to The Adventure Jogger wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single episode.